Emerald podcast series. Research that makes a difference. Hello, welcome to the Emerald podcast series. My name is Thomas and my guest today is Suti Irana, Associate Professor at the College of Healthcare Management and Economics, Gulf Medical University, UAE. He is a co-editor-in-chief on the Emerald Journal, South Asian Journal of Marketing, as well as chief editor for FIIB Business Review by Sage Publishing. He is the series editor of Review of Management Literature with us, Emerald. He is an expert in conducting conceptual and literature review-based studies and has contributed more than 200 workshops and sessions on literature review. I hope you enjoy this podcast. I'm working as an associate professor and program director at College of Healthcare Management and Economics. My research area is emerging markets, consumer behavior, and business education. Basically, I'm more passionate about conducting conceptual and literature review-based studies. I started this long ago during my PhD, and the passion is still continued in the kind of papers that I do. Could I ask, what was your PhD? Okay, my PhD was a decision of multiple things that I've been doing because initially I was a little confused on what topic I should have, what problem I'm going to address, and how long I'm going to keep that area. Though there is a slightly change because I worked on in an intersection of international business and strategy. I worked specifically on international markets and it has been an amazing, amazing journey learning from international markets to emerging markets and then typical consumer behavior in emerging markets. So I'm trying to make a funnel of it. Ah, it's always wonderful to hear what the journey is to the research topic. And then what led you to establish the series? Oh, that's a very interesting question. In fact, this question is very close to my heart. While I was doing my PhD, there were a number of questions and challenges that I come across. I come across because there is a abundance of literature available that you see any indexing you go to like Scopus or Clarivate, you'll find abundant of literature, research journals or research books. Then if you consider the rankings, you see ABDC is one which research business scholars usually follow and ABS ranking on the other hand side. So number of journals that come is at close to 3000 in business domain. And it's a lot. If you see that journals in a particular area, they cross hundreds. So in some areas, you'll find hundreds. In some areas, you'll find 900, close to 1,000. Then keeping a track of all those journals and then what they publish, it's very difficult, especially for a young scholar who is going to decide that what their PhD topic is going to be. And the literature review papers have helped me out a lot at that time by providing me future research agendas that, okay, these are the future research areas that one should read and work upon. So th this is where my interest got inculcated that, oh, research papers, literature review papers specifically are very, very useful to scholars and yet scholars like me to act like a guideline. And after that, what I found is that there was not enough publication outlets that cater exclusively to literature review-based papers. There are some like Academy of Management reviews, but the papers there, and if, if something you read and you target to publish, 
are one is challenging for young scholars and second is due to publication space they cannot accommodate all the topics there can be various to topic of uh, interest across geographies at people and as uh, technology changing uh, business economies are changing so new challenges are coming up for a journal like academy of management reviews it is very difficult to accommodate a large number of submissions so there was a need that i identified that scholarly um, community need to have and that keeps on changing like uh, the series comes with with the focus of uh, of different perspectives like one volume have one focus the another volume will have another focus so this way we will be able to serve the specific domains to the scholars and therefore i thought that this series is going to be very relevant and uh, scholars will be able to get more they, their challenges will be addressed by having this series can i ask what are the most rewarding aspects of doing this okay it is it is a challenging journey but it is a rewarding journey so when you work for others you learn more like we are into teaching professions and when when we need to teach we need to learn more we need to know a little bit extra than others and being a series editor and participating into the various volumes that are coming up um we need to give feedback to the scholars and to give them feedback i need to have a complete understanding of what they are working for for what they are working what they are addressing so somehow that develops a critical thinking aspect amongst ourselves second is i also have an idea of what are the upcoming topics what people are working on and it is another advantage so these are some knowledge advantages other than that there are some advantages that you get get to known amongst your own faculty colleagues scholarly colleagues and that is also rewarding that people know you you feel pleasure if you you are able to help someone and when they come and they ask like oh oh you read literature review or not you must be having an idea what is going on on this topic is it a worthy topic to explore upon so this gives a sense of satisfaction that yes you are doing a wonderful job contributing back to the society so one is the personal gap that you are able to acquire a knowledge which is ongoing knowledge establishing yet yet it's is cook, cooked up but yet to be baked yet it to be presented to other audience so you have an idea about it and then second hand side you is rewarding that you your colleagues know you is somehow directly indirectly help your career and then the community engagement because community service is is a passion and giving back to society working for colleagues scholars establishing certain norms it it's a passion and it gives a deep sense of satisfaction being into teaching profession that's wonderful and and i'm wondering as you come across the the latest research are you reaching out to more and more researchers are you discovering for yourself new areas absolutely it is helping me out a lot like i said that one i come to know about what are the upcoming topics not only ongoing because the research that we are reading today will published after a year or so so i'm able to understand and create a bandwidth with the with the ongoing debates in the literature it helps and i'm able to identify what are the new challenging areas where potential is going to be more because when you propose the volumes in the series 
while proposing the volumes you also need to keep your ears and eyes open that what could be more interest to the scholars and what is that readers would like to read in as a package in a volume so then also you need to do along with the reading you need to synthesize it so reading i would say reading is one aspect but synthesizing it into the future developments is another way to look at it so you keep keep on getting ready for future every time when you do it yes and it can be a wonderful thing if you you're able to keep learning and discover new things absolutely it's it's fun <laughs> as always good to have can I ask just a very, very, very general question, right? Um, I was an experienced manager, and I'd say that day one as a manager and day, I don't know, thousands and thousands as a manager, my views changed quite a bit. Have you found that your views have changed over the course of researching management? Absolutely. I always say two things. One is that I always see that management is not only content, it's a perspective. So, for example, the challenges that you come across you solve it your way. I may have the same challenges, but my strategies or my way is different of of uh, solving this challenge. Somebody else may have a different way of addressing this challenge. So management is mostly the practices of management are as much as policy based are equally the perspective based. So you need to have, have your perspective and that perspective will give you more sense of satisfaction, will bring more of your experience into the practice so the practice and perspectives they goes hand in hand for example you're driving a car and as long as you you drive it you have perspective so many times you are not even even thinking about what whether your uh, foods are where on and it, the car goes on and with the same speed though you are thinking of something else so these these perspectives keep your your decisions well on time and help you in choosing the right path and the decision. So this makes you the decision makers. And as much as you keep nurturing these perspectives, they also make you problem solvable over a period of time. So you don't just think about your perspective, you also start thinking about others' perspective. Of course it gets changed. The perspective change over a period with a period of time with more readings by having more experiences in touch. Absolutely, absolutely. And would you say that management literature as a whole has moved? Have you been able to see those changes? Yeah, I've been able to see this. Um, uh, when, when earlier management literature was was into two different domains, two different silos. Earlier it was more on philosophy and more on science. So there were two different schools of thought. One school of thought was that have seen management as a scientific management, like after Bruce Taylor said that. The, the era of scientific management. So management literature have moved into more of a science domain. And on the other side, management is more economics, is more sociology, is more of a philosophy, is of a, more of a psychology. So that was, that, that, that aspect is human and social science aspect of management. And these two can never be detached. But in, in the mid, mid of 80s to 2010, I have observed when I read those papers, more of these papers are overly scientific. I mean, uh, a, a focus uh, or say a priority have been given to the research methodology over to what exactly it is bringing to the debate, whether it is bringing the new philosophies or it is bringing to the new human dimensions. 
But now when I see after 2010 and especially the, during the COVID-19, the kind of studies that are published, they have given huge priority to the human philosophies, sociology, psychology and economics. All the aspects that were a little lagged behind in the literature from 1980 to 2010. So management literature have taken a shape. Now if you talk about it is that having studies of these human socio-economic perspectives but do not losing on the scientific rigor. So now it's a blend of two and this is really really good thing that you have something based on on socio-economic aspects but you need to present it in a scientific way where you do not lose the rigor of it. Thank you. That's a brilliant summary. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. It's so interesting how often management literature must connect to, to something else. It may connect to psychology, it may connect to different things. Is that something that you really like? Is that something you enjoy? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Definitely something I've enjoyed when I read management literature myself. There has been a, a big growth in management literature. There's, there's more. There's more than there ever was. Uh, what, what, what's driven that? Okay, let me tell you something. It's very interesting question and take it in, as a as a industry. Research is a pub, research is a passion, but publishing is a business. Okay, when you see that the demand of this industry is high, over a period of time, more publishers have jumped into the business. So traditionally, if you see Amarin, Elsevier, Springer, Taylor and Francis. And Wiley. These were the late names that we were used to hear in the publishing industry. But if you see now, new publishers have come up. And these new publishers have also lost a number of um, uh, scientific journals. One is this region. Uh, second is that earlier PhD programs were with few universities. And there is a condition of publishing with them. So number of PhD scholars are growing all across the world. They need to publish, they want to publish. So that is another reason. The third reason I see is that people debate with each other. What journals do, what publishers do. We host debates of other people. We publish debates. I actually say that research papers are nothing but you're doing a debate on somebody else's argument to prove what you are feeling and what you're experiencing. Um, so Earlier, like literature was few, so scope of debate was less. Now, over a period of time, the scope of debate have actually grown high. These are some regions like availability of the publishers and journals have grown. Then availability of making arguments and responding to the available literature have grown. Then third is avenue of doing doctorate and postdoctorate studies have grown. So all these together have made the progress in terms of number and volume in the research publication. Which makes life richer for all of us, but also more challenging. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Can I ask, what are some of the biggest trends that you've seen developing in management research? Well, management research, like we were discussing, that is moving in multiple dimensions. As you see, the science is one domain, science and technology, where management research is heading to. It is heading to, to the artificial intelligence and world of technology and artificial intelligence and open AI. So management practices 
and technology. This is one area. The other area that you see are human and technology and management practices. So it's a tri-board. So one side you have humans and humans are full with emotions, feelings, enemies, angers, happiness. And on the other hand side, you have technology that is supporting and this is coming like more into augmented reality and uh, metaverse, chat GPT. I mean, people are talking about these are bad buzzwords and then you have to practice with these advanced technologies and advanced humans. So this is this is a tripod. On the other hand side, if you see that's how life have grown over a period of time. Earlier you was doing something, you was into a job or a business because you you had to survive, one had to survive and therefore they were doing what they were doing. Over a period of time it has also changed. The people started working to enhance their living standards, but now it is not only living standards on what they consume, how they consume. Now it is more about their satisfaction. They would like to see the complete satisfaction in what they buy. So concepts like co-creating have also been uh, been practiced by the organizations and giving complete autonomy. And along with this, now the fourth lag of it is law. If there will be competition, if there will be more players, if there are more demands by the consumers, then industry need to set its norms, its laws, and and have the competition of doing a business within the country, outside the country. So business law within the home markets and within the uh, and at a global level in the host markets, the foreign markets have changed. Laws are changing, consumers are changing, society and living standards are changing, technology is changing, all all the world is changing in different directions. So there are a huge lot lot good areas that are coming to contribute and we are open in the review of management literature that if somebody found that okay this is one area where uh, where a significant literature review is available to review we, we are happy to consider their contribution absolutely i mean as you say society changes companies must change with them and so management naturally changes what do you think might be some of the big changes coming up i mean i, I know it's a, a carefully asked question i know you don't know the future but where do you think we're going? If you ask me some pertinent areas where this change is going to be, it is it is going to be on on the consumption side and specifically being a marketing scholar, I would like to highlight it that people are identifying the new wave of happiness. So happiness meanings are changing today and anything that is being available for consumption today is to create happiness. And then artificial emotions are coming up. So humans getting more involved with the machines rather than human beings. This is another area that I see can can be explored upon. And then see the strategies. This is how companies are merging and acquiring each other. And first they compete, then they collaborate, then they acquire. And a lot of merger acquisitions are taking place. Though their performance through this modular acquisition have been addressed, but the strategies of a good merger and acquisition is just do because there are mergers that have failed. So out or there were joint ventures that parted wage after a certain period of time. 
So I think these things need to fix up on, on a strategy level that how I be international business in and will create an intersection because every economy is now saying use local, use local. They're protecting themselves and at the other end side, we have raised the expectations of consumers. They made them, we have made them uh, the global consumers. So something need to be contributed that how this debate should be raised. And then on the other hand side, um, you you need to see this, how humans are changing, in which direction they are changing. Uh, for example, um, how you keep an employee happy at workplace. It is not only the consumer, how you keep them happy. Though engagement have been in discussion, and but if you ask people, are they really happy with their job? Maybe you'll have more more negative answers than the positive answers. So happiness is where I would like to suggest people to work upon and then work on the interaction or say bridging the domestic economy objectives with the global world. I'm thinking that with 2020, I saw a lot of turnover for companies. People suddenly stopped and thought about their lives changed. Absolutely. And if you see UNDP's sustainable development goal, there are a number of goals, 17 goals that they have uh, suggested. So th that can also be another way to identify the future research area that somebody who is coming from, from, from a particular domain can pick up, which is closely related to one of those goals and can, can then, then create a debate between one sustainable development. I saw that research papers considered two, three, four, or they just mentioned about the SDG, Sustainable Development Goal as a whole. But I think there is a deep diving required and in one direction, scholars should work. They should they should choose one Sustainable Development Goal and deep dive into it. I'm, I'm very curious because you mentioned uh, chat GPT and the AIs generally, there's, there's, there's more than one. Um, and I'm wondering how that's starting to feed into the management literature. How's management affected by this kind of thing? It, it is affected because there are some easy way, there are some exciting ways that are coming from OpenAI and uh, GPT world. Uh, for example, you ask us as an academician what challenges we are facing and what, what we foresee the challenges are going to be. We are curious that, or, or we, we, are, we are wondering that whether our students will will do their assignments with GPTs and submit to us. But we also need to create more gatekeepers. So now we know that on the other hand side, companies would need more gatekeepers that, okay, one document will be made with the GPT and OpenAI platforms, but there is somebody who is required that something has been done, is done properly. So we they, they, we see that there are going to be more jobs, more skills. And at the same time, there is something that is going to be easy. So there is, the easiest part would be that something that you, we spent hours on doing a bond will be saved. But at the same time, I need we need to enhance our readability or our thought process in order to check as gatekeeper that something which has been done is in the right direction or not. Is it useful or not? So we're already talking about developing our critical thinking. Yeah, critical thinking, absolutely. And I would say more readers, because this is what we feel that over a period of time, read, readership have been dropped, assuming and thinking that, oh, oh, 
I got it ready-made, so I don't need to read it. And this is where a num large number of people are going to fail. And I would like to alarm them and demystify that if you think that somebody else like GPT have done it for you, and you can ready use it as it is, is not going to work. And especially where quality would matter. So you need to have the complete understanding of it. Yes, the writing part can be done. The collision part can be done. The consolidation part can be done by the open AIs, but at the same time, you need to have a complete understanding of the subject and domain in order to see that whether something that has been presented to you is in the right direction and as per the objectives or not. I'm thinking of when I, when I was taught to navigate ships, first, I had to do it the old fashioned way. Okay. <laughs> because when I used computers, if something went wrong, I understood the logic of why. Yes. I knew why. You you couldn't substitute the knowledge. Dude, you cannot substitute <laughs> the knowledge. Absolutely. I'm wondering if there's a trend which is current, uh, a big movement, which you think people are overlooking. Is there something we should be looking at more? Okay, COVID-19, I see that people are overlooking. And uh, I see that there, there are large number of submissions that are still going on. People saying post-COVID-19. And there were, earlier when we were discussing about it, it was, there were uh, a few thoughts that were, that came as school of thought that were developed at that time. One was that after COVID-19, will we back to the old normal? We will come, we will continue with the new normal that was developed or will we have, have a combination of both, old versus new. But most of the things as you see, um, the, and especially the essential services, transportation, education and health care. I think this, these all are back to old normal. Uh, there is some slightly change, but the human element is that they like to socialize, they they like to talk. So, so the old normal or new normal cannot divorce the human element out of it. But at the same time, what I see, like you ask me that, I see the overflow, I see the overflow of COVID-19 research submissions just to capitalize on a trendy topic to have a publication. And I feel really sad sometimes that people are not working on the realistic problems to reflect from the experiences or um, or, or the knowledge that was gained from the COVID-19. A large number of submissions are done in, in the journals um, and, and the series also. There are a number of questions that I also receive that people and scholars like to capitalize on this trendy topic. If there was a PhD student listening to this, choosing his topic, where would you encourage him to look? Well, I, I if you ask me the domain, it is very difficult to answer this question because everybody has their passion. Maybe you would like to work on human resource and not on marketing, or you'd like to work more on economic side and not on strategy, or you are a operation and supply chain guy, you want to work on uh, uh, on uh, on on the deliveries and supplies uh, of a material so it, but subject i i don't think that i can suggest but yes i can suggest the way whatever suggests they are interested in they must read some literature review papers of that particular subject area and those literature review paper will synthesize will criticize will also 
reflect on the future research areas and agendas and this is what is going to be very 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 useful to those who are currently doing phd and deciding new projects and those who are choosing their phd topics so literature review papers are going to work like a guideline for them uh, like a bible you say for them to in order to choose their topics perfect Perfect, then thank you very much. I feel that's almost the perfect place to end it. Can I ask, is there anything else that you'd like to add? Anything I haven't asked? You have asked very beautiful questions, Thomas. I'm really, really thankful to you. I would like to say that everybody gets something in literature review papers. And whether somebody publishes a empirical paper, they also need to do literature review. If they are doing any conceptual paper, they also need to do literature review. Any form of the methodology, either quantitative or quantitative, also need to have some knowledge of the previous literature. So there are not any scientific projects that do not require any kind of literature review. So some literature review is always required because you'd like to see that how the domain is progressing and have progressed over a period of time. And this is the purpose that we are trying to serve and contribute to the community and would like to encourage more readership and more uh, authorship of literature review papers. I'm sure scholars are going to enjoy these and the literature review papers will give them more knowledge because they will have a summary of previous literature in these papers. And so these are going to save their time. These are going to somehow save their efforts. And at the same time, they will also guide them that uh, what they should read and what they should not. So, literature review papers are going to be more useful. I strongly advise and motivate all the listeners and scholars give a special consideration to literature papers. Thank you so much, Thomas. Thank you very much, Doctor. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for listening to today's episode. For more information about our guest and for a transcript of today's episode, please see our show notes on our website. I would like to thank Nick Woolwork and Daniel Ridge for their help with today's episode and Alex Jungius from This Is Distorted. You've been listening to the Emerald Podcast Series. <laughs>